I was in church one morning, and I noticed a lady of mid-70s. I'd never seen her before, and so after church, went up to this gal and, and introduced myself and began to ask her some things about her life and so on. She says, no, I'm a, I'm a member here. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't recognize you. I've never seen you. I don't know. Maybe you've been out of town. She said, no, I haven't been out of town, but I haven't been to church in a long time. She said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. My husband, when we were first married, my husband came to this church with me and he accepted the Lord here. And he got so excited about that. He got so excited about what the Lord had done for him that he told everybody he would see. He came to work. He told all of the people at work. But you know, they were mean-spirited people, those people that he worked with. And they began to make fun of him about how excited he was about having the Lord in his life. And they were just on him relentlessly until it just got to be too much for him. And not only did he decide not to come back to church, but he wouldn't let me come either. And about two weeks ago, he died. After 30 years being away from church. About two weeks ago, he died not knowing the Lord. Now, I can come back to church. What a sad situation that would be, wouldn't it? As an aside, just as an aside, if you have a spouse who's encouraging you in the Lord, oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that kind of a spouse. If you don't, oh, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray for them that, that they would understand. That they would understand the importance of knowing God and, and being brave enough to stand in the face of that kind of uh, criticism and not, not give up hope. Well, that's what our scripture is talking about this morning a little bit. We're looking at uh, Romans chapter 12 and, and just verse 2 today. Romans chapter 12 and just, just verse 2. And I'm reading this out of the NIV. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. Oh Lord, that it would, yes, challenge us. And Lord, uh, that we would be encouraged too. By your great love and your great mercy. Your forgiveness. And your offer of strength to us, Lord. To withstand the evil days. To withstand those that would try to shipwreck our faith. Oh Lord, we are thankful for you and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that story I just told you about that woman happens more than you would want to think. Where the world around us begins to change how we think about what we know ought to be true. Paul wouldn't, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have inspired Paul to warn us that way 
if it weren't a really important thing. One of the things that uh, we also read in the book of Romans in chapter 5, we read that at just the right time, Christ died for us. At just the right time, Christ died for our sins. You know, one of the things about that right time, there's a number of different things that we could talk about there. won't take the time today. But one of the things that happened around that area was that the Greek language became the language that was uh, universal at that point. And the beauty of the Greek language is that it is so specific. It's so clear as to what we can uh, look at the original text at the Greek and talk about just a couple of those words. One of the words we want to take a look at is that word conform. Now, if you happen to have a different translation, it might say, instead of do not conform, it might say, do not be conformed. And there, there's a little subtle difference there. And we want to take a look at that just briefly, just briefly as we think about the Greek word. And that Greek word that is translated in our Bibles, the word conform, that Greek word is talking about something that we have chosen. That's why the NIV is just maybe a little tiny bit closer to the Greek than the NASB in this case. Because if we were to say, do not be conformed, it's as if something outside of us. It's as if something outside of us is causing us this problem. But what the Greek word is telling us is that somehow, under the pressure of our society, under the pressure of what these people in first century Christianity, what they were expected to withstand from the society around them, caused them to want to conform in order to get out from underneath that kind of criticism, that kind of persecution. And so that's what the person that I described to you this morning had come under this awful persecution just for sharing about Christ at work. But he didn't have that. He didn't have that encouragement of uh, people around him to remind him that this is a challenge that Christ has given, that we would not be conformed to the world around us. Can you think about what Paul was experiencing himself during this time? He was on missionary trips. He was meeting with new believers all the time. And those new believers uh, would come under this kind of criticism from their society, from those around them, from the pagan world, from various kinds of worship that were going on that time that had nothing to do with Christianity. And they would come under that kind of criticism. And so they needed to be reminded of this. That Greek word is actually an imperative, meaning it's a command. God is actually using Paul here to command us not to be conformed to the world around us. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It's as if he is reminding us that we need to keep on struggling not to conform. It is a temptation, isn't it? As we hear what's going on around us in our day, if we thought there was pressure in those Bible times, think about our day where we have media, we have TV, we have movies, we have everything you can think of just bombarding us with the world's 
views of what life ought to be like. Oh, it would be easy to conform. Oh, maybe we already have conformed more than we should have. Maybe we've already given over too much of what God has asked us to keep for ourselves. That idea that He and He alone is truth. Yes, indeed, I believe we are facing those similar pressures in our daily walk to be conformed to what the world is telling us. Even simply things like social media. Now, I'm not on Facebook, but I know a lot of people that are on different kinds of social media, and they are bombarded with, yes, some good things, no doubt, but oh, so many, so many things that would draw their thoughts away from what God would have. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 says this, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you. Physical work is good sometimes, isn't it? Minding our own business, it's kind of not the deal of our day, is it? We're into everybody's business. All the time. Oh yeah, I think we're conforming just a little bit. The second thing we could think about is, or we could think of numerous ways that the world is trying to get us to conform to their uh, desires. But, I'll just mention two more. Group, group thought. Group thought versus individualism. Pressure to think just exactly what the masses are thinking, what they're saying. Who would have thought even five years ago, that we'd be talking seriously about having candidates for elected office that are socialists. It's an amazing thing as we think about the transformation that's happened. Socialism now is seen as a, as a good thing by certain groups, and if you don't think so, they will be quick to tell you why you should. You know that Islam works a lot like that where everybody is supposed to be just exactly the same, they're supposed to think exactly the same way, do the same things. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we are to have, it says, make every effort to have the unity of the Spirit, but not uniformity. The Bible doesn't call us to be uniform, does it? It calls us to live in unity with various different people and various different ways of thinking. A good example of that begins just, if you were to read on in chapter 12 right here, uh, from where we left off, Paul begins to talk about spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit has given each believer a spiritual gift. And they're all different and they're all important, but they're not all identical. All of our thought processes as Christians don't have to be exactly the same. God uses individuals, and he's gifted individuals in certain ways. And as we use those spiritual gifts that God has given us together to encourage each other and build each other up, that's where true Christian unity comes. Not from uniformity, but unity. Paul talks much more about it, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he talks about the hand can't call the foot unnecessary. It's part of the body. They have different uh, functions, but they're all important. Do you understand that? 
what God is saying in that scripture? That each of you, no matter what your gift is, no matter what your abilities are, no matter what your talents are, if you're a Christian, if you have Christ in your heart, if you're redeemed by Jesus Christ, each of you is important, as important as any other person. You're important because you're not carbon copies of everyone else. But our world would ask us to conform to the idea that we're all going to be exactly alike. Well, the third way, the third way that our society tries to get us to conform to their thinking is in the area of religion. Now we're hearing that all religion is the same. We all are going to get to heaven no matter what church we're in, no matter what belief system we have. Pretty easy to get to heaven when they don't even believe there is that sort of a place. Religion in our day and age, the way the world sees it, is simply a crutch that's useful at certain times for certain people. And that's what the world would love us to conform to, wouldn't it? It's satanic opposition. It's satanic opposition to the truth. The truth that the only way, the only way to heaven, the only way to be saved from our sins is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the what? Not the eyes, but the minds. The God of this age has blinded the minds of non-believers. And they would want to have us conform to their way of thinking about religion. Well, there's many, many other ways, aren't there? There's many, many other ways that pressure comes against us to conform to the world. Being successful, being famous, people knowing us, people... uh, having enough money to do whatever they want, another kind of success, another kind of uh, idea that the world would love us to all buy into. Can't buy eternal life, though, can we? Eternal life is a gift, and that's the only way that it can come to us. The only way is as a gift through God and what he has provided through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's look at that second half of that verse just a minute. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. As we become believers, there can be a huge change. Our way of thinking can be transformed, can be morphed as that word that was used by the younger generation a few years ago. To be morphed, to be changed. That's the exact Greek word, metamorphosis. That's the word that was translated here, transformed. And that word indeed, as you look at the Greek there, that word does mean that it's not of ourselves or of our doing, but it's an outside force that has transformed us. What do you suppose that force is? That's the Holy Spirit through the power of God that comes in, comes into our lives, comes into our bodies, transforms us, transforms our thinking, transforms 
our ability to understand what God desires. And look what that verse says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Good, pleasing, and perfect. What a change. What a change when God morphs us, morphs our thinking, and gives us that ability to understand His will as the one perfect truth to live by. How can we be strengthened in our daily walk in that transformation? How can we be strengthened in order to resist that conforming pressure that the world puts on us? Well, I can think of three ways. There might be many more. For sure, one of them is what? Dwelling in God's Word. Reading the Bible. Dwelling in that Word of God. Understanding the importance of discipling. What if that friend that I described, who completely turned away from his faith, what if he'd had somebody to come alongside him, to disciple him, to encourage him? Friend, if you're a new believer, it's important that you meet with other believers, particularly those that might come alongside you and disciple you. The third way we can be strengthened in that transformation is to seek strength through the sacrament and through worship. In Hebrews, God says, do not give up meeting together. So we're so glad you're here today, strengthened by God's word, strengthened by fellowship of other believers, and willing to allow the sacrament next Sunday, I think, right? We have communion next Sunday. Strengthened by that sacrament as well. Friends, people are looking for peace, aren't they? But the world doesn't offer peace. The world offers pressures to be just like them. Being morphed means to be changed by God. How about you today? Are you in a position where you're feeling that pressure from outside? Maybe you're willing even to just compromise a little? Oh, I pray that's not where you're at. I remember quite a number of years ago now, I guess maybe 25, maybe a few more than that even, sitting in a church in Park River, North Dakota. Anybody remember Pastor Norm Tenebo? Some of you do, yeah. Pastor Norm was our pastor there. We met in the CAP building. It was an old uh, implement dealer. But on the front it was all glass, and so... When you went to that church, everybody knew you were there, a little small town. I fought it for years. My wife, bless her heart, kept trying to find a church that would really have life. One day, our neighbor drove, our friend drove up right into our, into our driveway, took us to church. That's kind of a good evangelistic tool. How many of you would do that? Drive up to that friend you've been praying for, tell him, I'm not leaving. Hop in the car. We're going to church. <laughs> well, that's what we did. What a, what a change. Because we knew, immediately upon walking into that place, we knew the Holy Spirit was working there. We knew the truth was being preached there. 
What a joy. Less than a year later, Pastor Norm was preaching a Lenten message. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that Christ appeared to me that day. But it sure seemed like it. I'm not going to tell you that I looked up and and saw him above Norm's uh, podium. But it sure seemed like it. That was the day that Christ made it clear to me that he didn't die for everybody else. That was the day he made it clear to me that he died for my sins too. Oh, that you know that this morning. Oh, that you have experienced that kind of a change in your life. Maybe it was so many years ago that you have let the pressures get to you just a little bit. Or maybe you've never gotten to that place. Oh, today if God was speaking to you, say yes to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you know the pressures of the society that we live in. You know that truth and lies are interspersed every day. Lord, you know that we need your strength to avoid conforming. And that we desire by your power to be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.